0: It is great to be here with you. It really is. What a blessing. And uh, just really quick, if this is your first time at any one of our locations, someone has invited you, someone has asked you to come, you finally accepted. Whether you're down in Seymour or you're at Banta Campus or the Franklin Campus or at the Garfield Park Campus here at Greenwater, if you're watching online or at one of our microsites around the country, we want to give you a very special welcome. Can we give it up to all of our first-time guests today? Thank you for accepting the invitation, we really have worked hard, prayed for you and prepared for you uh, to make this, this experience a valuable one. If you're not brand new, welcome back. Great to see you starting a brand new series today called You Can Always Come Back. You can always come back. Isn't it interesting how life seems to kind of unfold? Uh, like you're, you're facing one setback after another setback after another setback. Anybody ever experienced that, feel that way? It's like you take two steps forward and then you take three steps back. You know you're doing good in your career and then you have a relationship setback, right? Someone's unfaithful, someone hurts you, betrays you, whether it's a friendship or a spouse or a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Or, or maybe your relationships are fine and you're doing well there, but then, you know, you have a setback in your career. You know, the, the, the company downsizes or you get overlooked for a position or, or, or you get let go or something takes place in your career. Or maybe your career and your relationships are fine, uh, but you have a moral failure and you, you have a setback spiritually. You know, you do something you know you shouldn't have done and now you don't feel close to God. And everything else is fine, but you're, you have a setback spiritually or morally. You ever been there in your life, right? It's like, it's like man, life seems to to kind of unfold that way what is a setback well the definition of a setback is pretty simple it's a check in progress you were doing fine you were moving forward and now things have come to a screeching halt uh it's kind of been that way for the last two years you agree yeah <laughs> a lot of people or even worse it's a reversal you were due you were going forward not only did you get a check in progress but now you're going backwards and that's how it works. Sometimes in a relationship, or financially, or spiritually, or physically. How many of you, you know, gained twenty pounds over the last twenty years because of you know the, the pandemic? Don't raise your hands. Uh, but we have a reversal, or there's a defeat, a reversal, or a defeat, or a check in progress. in in the in the recovery community, they call this a relapse. That's what it is. And um, at this church, at this church, in the last month. I have seen two young men in their 20s relapse on drugs and die. So this is serious business. To learn how to handle a setback in your life. It just could save your life. Setbacks. We all face them. Every single one of us. Last two years, one-third of all small businesses have shut down. I mean, gone away. Bye bye. 4,500 churches across the United States. Bye bye. Gone. Close their doors. Resign. They're over. They're gone. Church attendance, and I know we're at church here, so it's relevant to talk about church, that church attendance is down across the board, across the United States by 45%. One law firm, Stewart's Law Firm, uh, one of their lawyers said that. Divorce inquiries are up 122% over the last over the last 2 years. Some of you're like, "Yeah, tell me about it. I called, I filed." Relationship setbacks. Did you know that consumer debt today is at its all-time high over the last year? People have thrown out the Dave Ramsey plan. <laughs> They've just started got the credit cards back out charging up. Financial setbacks, relationship setbacks. Let me ask you a question today, and it's an important question for you to answer for this series. In order for this series to really be meaningful for you to kind of put a target on the wall, where do you need a comeback? Is it with your relationship with God? Is it with your physical health? Is it a financial comeback? Grab the pen right now. Actually, it's in your notes. Or if you're taking digital notes, grab your phone. And I want you to write it down. And the reason why I want you to write it down is because it'll put a target on The paper for you for the next three to four weeks because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a very practical strategy for you to make a comeback after your setback and I know some of you are too cool for school so you're not going to write it down that's lame (laughs) do what your pastor says (laughs) I'm half joking get a pen out and identify where do you need a comeback in your life we all love comeback stories don't we Anybody love watching Rocky growing up, especially Rocky Three? Mr. T, Clubber Lang, remember him? Some of you are like, what? Okay, you gotta go watch it if you haven't seen Rocky Three. You know, Rocky gets totally annihilated by Clubber Lang, and then he has to, you know, mount this comeback, and he goes through this training, you know, process. Don't you love the training scenes in in Rocky? You know, it's just like... You know, and he just just transforms his body, and he comes back, and he, you know, he, he, and he beats Mr. T, and he, It's just such a great movie. I grew up watching that stuff. You know, I had two older brothers, so then I, whatever, I'd go and get inspired, and then I'd go fight them, you know? so. like... <laughs> Because they were always pounding me. They had this game when I was growing up. It was such a dumb game, and I didn't realize it at the time. But they would take me out into a field, my two older brothers. And they would, they would say, hey, there's the, there's the end zone over there. Here's the football. They'd throw me the football. and say, get past us. And then they would pound me in the ground over and over and over again. But it, it made me the man that I am today. So thankful for that. We love comeback stories. Perhaps the greatest comeback story ever is a, is a football comeback story. I know we don't like the Patriots. I know. I understand. I know we're not Tom Brady fans. But we have to admit that in Super Bowl, Super Bowl 51, we witnessed, those of you who watched it, perhaps the greatest comeback ever seen on live television if you, if you didn't see it, let me give you the quick breakdown. The Patriots are down to the Falcons 28 to 3 in the third quarter with 8 minutes and 39 seconds left. Like this is like the announcers are talking about, this is over, you know, it's okay. This is... Tom Brady's not Tom Brady today, he's having an off day. But then all of a sudden the real Tom Brady shows up. And he starts to go on a drive in the third quarter and they, they score their first touchdown with like two minutes and change left. And it ma- that makes it 28 to nine. And they missed the extra point. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? They missed the field. So now it's 28-9, should be 28-10. They managed to squeak out a, a, a field goal in the beginning of the fourth quarter, but you know it, they're still down 16 points with nine minutes left in the, in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl. This is a two, you know, two, two score game here. And so they're saying to each other, man, we got to get the ball back. We got to get the ball back. And so everyone knows they need a turnover. They need a a, a punt, a three and out, or or some sort of fumble. And that's when it happens. Do you remember the sack by Hightower? He comes around, he avoids the block. I got a picture for you, just in case you missed it. Hightower hits Ryan, who's now our quarterback for the Colts, right? He wasn't having a great game in the third and fourth quarter, but knocks the ball loose, and the uh, the Patriots cover the ball, they take advantage, they go down, they score another touchdown, and they get the two-point conversion, making it 28 to 20 right? Well, then the Falcons get the ball back, and, they're, and the Patriots are like, man, we've got to get this ball back, but the Falcons go on this amazing drive. They have some incredible catches, incredible plays, but they cannot convert, and Mr. Ryan, unfortunately, has a brain fart, <laughs> and he allows himself to get sacked, which pushes them out of field goal range, which makes them, I know I'm boring. Those of you who hate football. I understand, but they have to kick, they have to punt. Well, now it's great that the Patriots have the ball back, but they're 90 yards away from a touchdown, And so he's got to march, uh, Brady's got to march his team down the field with a little bit of time left to score at the end of the game. And miraculously, Brady does what Brady does. At one point, he throws a 30-yard pass right down the middle of the field to a guy named Edelman. Do you remember the catch? Edelman, the ball is tipped, bobbled, and Edelman comes up with this incredible catch. I got a picture for you. Watch this the ball is an inch off the ground. It doesn't even look like he's going to catch it. At the last second, he puts his fingers under the ball and grabs the ball and the other dude's foot in his arm. And he makes the catch. It's a miraculous catch. Well, that happens with like two, two minutes left, 2.22 left in the fourth quarter. They go down, and they end up scoring with 57 seconds left. The ball game goes into overtime. They, score, they get the coin flip. I mean, there's so many things happen for this comeback, and they win the game in overtime. Announcers, people talk about this. They say it's the greatest comeback they've ever seen on live television. I know there's others out there. But we love a comeback story, don't we? Why do we love a comeback story? I believe it's inspiring, I believe it it gives us energy, but I think most of all, it gives us this thing called hope. Comeback stories give us hope. We think to ourselves, well, if they can do it, then maybe I can do it. If that person come back from a, a bankruptcy, maybe I can. If that person come back from a divorce, then maybe I can. If that person come back from a drug addiction, then maybe I can. Comeback stories give us hope. Abraham Lincoln said this I'm not concerned that you've fallen down. Why? Everybody falls down. Everybody does. I do. You do. The greatest people. We all fall down. We all have setbacks. What I am concerned about is that you arise. What I am concerned about is that you don't stay down because that's not where you belong as a child of God, as a person made in the image of God. So I want to talk to you over the next couple of weeks about God's plan to bring you back. Everybody know the story of Moses? Anybody not know the story of Moses? You don't have to raise your hand. Moses, uh, the, the story of Moses is perhaps the greatest story and one of the greatest stories of a comeback in the Bible. I don't have all the time to tell the whole story and how it unfolds. Here's where I'll catch you up in the story. Moses is born into bondage. He is a Jewish baby. At this particular time in history, the Israelites are enslaved to the Egyptians and, and it's been going on for years and years and years. Pharaoh makes this crazy law that says all the male babies in the land born of Israelite women are to be put to death immediately. Moses' mother takes Moses puts him in a basket. Hopefully, he'll survive in the river. At that exact time, Pharaoh's daughter miraculously shows up to take a bath in the river, just like Edelman's catch. I mean, it's a miraculous thing. This should not have happened. Just like Hightower's sack, right? At just the right moment, she shows up to take a bath. She hears the baby crying. She grabs the baby, long story short, sort of adopts it, takes it into Pharaoh's home. Moses ends up being sort of Pharaoh's grandson, if you can believe that, grows up in a palace. He is a prince of Egypt. Have you seen the movie? You should see. It's really good. It's not entirely biblical, but it's close. He grows up to be a prince of of Egypt but one day he's out looking around and he sees this Egyptian dude beating up one of his fellow Israelites he is enraged he decides he's going to get revenge the next day he goes out tries he finds this Egyptian looks around to see if anybody's watching and he murders him here's a word from the Lord today don't murder anyone It's never a good plan, okay? I don't know why Moses thought this was a good plan, uh, but he thought this was a good option. Kills the guy, buries his body in the sand, and thinks he got away with it, you know? Well, it didn't. People saw. Word gets back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's enraged. Pharaoh chases Moses out of the land. You talk about a huge setback. Not only does he chase him, he chases him 360 miles away from Egypt to a place called Midian. If Moses traveled 20 miles a day, it would have taken him 18 days to get to Midian. He ran for his life, and he ran for a long time. He meets a guy named Jethro at Midian. Marries one of Jethro's daughters, has a baby, has a family, settles down for 40 years of shepherding in a place called Midian. You talk about a setback. He goes from the palace of Pharaoh to the isolation of a desert as a shepherd in Midian. Wow, what a setback. And that's why I want to pick up the story. Exodus chapter three. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Now watch what happens next. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in Amazement, wow. Here's, here's the first thing I want you to write down in your notes today. God initiates the comeback. Moses has been there 40 years. He's got kids, he's got a family, probably coming up on being a grandpa. He's a shepherd, he's resigned, this is my life, this is, I'm never going back to Egypt, I'm never going back to Pharaoh's house, I'm never gonna be part of my people, my people's lives. I'm now settled here in Midian, and then God shows up. Isn't that how God works? You see, I want, to, I want you to hear something today, and maybe you won't believe it at first, first time I say it, but, but I hope you'll believe it by the end of this message. God wants a comeback for you. He's initiating the comeback. And he'll use whatever he wants to use, however he can use it to get your attention. For Moses' case, it was a burning bush. Maybe for you today, it's, it's my voice. Not nearly as cool as a burning bush. In fact, I wish we could get a burning bush up here right now. Because that would wake some of you up because some of you are sleeping. But you get my voice instead. He wants a comeback for you. This is the way God operates. In fact, in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve totally blow it, they choose the created thing over the creator. Remember we just talked about that in the conversation series? Plunge humanity into sin. Guess who chases who in Genesis chapter 3? I'll prove it to you. Genesis chapter three, when the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. He went for a walk. Now you and I, what we do when we fail, when we blow it, when we sin, when we screw up, we hide in shame and guilt. And that's exactly what they do. So they hid from the Lord. I don't want to see God. Listen, I'm a screw up. I'm not worthy of being in his presence. I don't want him to look at me. I don't want him to be around me. All I want to do is get away from God. And many of you have been doing that for years. But that's not God's heart. He's out taking a walk. He's looking for you. Listen to what happens next. Then the Lord God called out to the man, where are you? God was not confused about where Adam was, okay? You know how as parents today, we've got our kids dialed in on our apps like we know their exact location. Like we've got one in college, we still track them. (laughs) <laughs> well my wife does <laughs> god is not concerned about adam's physical location he knows exactly where adam and eve are he's asking the question for them where are you why are you hiding in other words why are you so trapped in your guilt and your shame that's not how i operate you blow it i come looking for you god is initiating a comeback for you today amen amen Amen? You guys are not with me yet. You're still asleep. God is initiating your comeback. Amen? Amen? Man. Why is God initiating a comeback? Because he's planning a comeback. Duh. (laughs) He's got one in mind. He's got this whole thing thought out for you. He wants you to get back up, wipe you off, clean you off, and get you moving forward, making progress. But here's what's interesting about the comeback. God's not going to do it for you. Uh Uh-uh, he's not going to do it for you. See, we humans, we like to pray prayers like, God, would you help me find somebody? Would you help me get out of debt? Would you help me do this? Would you do it? Would you? And we pray prayers, and we should pray prayers. But then you know what God does. He's like, okay, I'm going to work with you, but uh, how about you get on a budget? (laughs) Oh, you want to be free from pornography? How about you delete those apps? Like, we're praying prayers, and God's like, okay, I'm good with that. Pray the prayer, but how about you take some action like oh god would you provide someone I want to meet somebody i don't want to be lonely my whole life okay how about you like start take care of your body how about you become a little bit more attractive <laughs> put yourself out there a little bit like, like see what i'm saying like i know that sounds weird but that's what god does sometimes like you have to respond it's a partnership you want to come back you got to respond look at Mo- look what moses does watch this watch this this is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. In your notes, I just, we just showed it to you there. You must respond. See, God's trying to get your attention, maybe even through this sermon. And he's been trying, honestly, he's been trying to get your attention for a long time. And you've been hiding your head in the sand and running away and hiding in shame and guilt. And God's like, come on, where are you? Let's go. Moses is like, what's that? I got it. This burn, this bush is burning. I have to go see it. He responds. See, up to this point, God hasn't said anything. He's been totally silent. But as soon as God sees Moses respond, he begins to talk. Watch this. Next verse, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, when he saw Moses responding, when he sees you respond, God called out to him and said from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. See, God will only speak to you when you take the time to respond. Some of you are gonna hear this sermon and and you will forget what I talked about the moment you walk out these doors. I promise you, why? Because you are asleep. You are not physically, but spiritually, you have detached. You've said, I'm too far gone, I'm too old, I'll never come back from this, my life is what it is, I'm a shepherd, I've been here 40 years, it's never gonna change, I've, I've tried before and failed, and you have all the reasons. And you'll walk out of here and say, okay, that was a decent sermon, but nothing will change. Why, because you're asleep. In fact, if I were with you right now, one-on-one at a coffee shop or something like that, and I saw that sleep in your eyes, you know what I would like to do? Is just shake the crap out of you. I really would. I really would. Because some of you need to be shaken to your core. Why? Because you think, oh, this isn't for me, and I'm a failure, and I'll never come back, and blah, blah, all that stuff. And God's like, no! I got a burning bush for you. Look at the bush. Respond to it. And when you respond to it, maybe even this sermon, I will begin to talk to you and reveal to you the plan for your comeback. Yes? Moses responds. Look at what he says. Here am I. I'm right here. Remember what God asked Adam? Where are you? Moses says, I'm right here. You got my full attention. Like, what is this? This bush is burning and it's not burning up. What's going on? See, here's what I want to say to you today. You not only need to respond, but you also need to be ready. Ready. What does it mean to be ready? Well, back when I was in high school, my coach would always talk to us about being on the balls of your feet. And if you've ever played basketball, you know what that means. That means when you're in a defensive position, you want to have your heels off the ground and you want to be on the balls of your feet. Not your toes, because you're off balance. Not your heels, because you're off balance. Defense can get around you, but on the balls of your feet. And if you're on the balls of your feet, you can move. Now, I can't move like I used to move, but you move like this and you play defense. And you're ready. Ready? Moses says, I'm right here. I'm ready to receive what you have. Are you, let me ask you a question. Now. Are you ready? Like if God were to speak to you through this message, did you show up today? Did you tune in today? Like ready to take action, ready to hear a plan about how you can come back in your life? Or are you on your back of your heels? Or are you on the tips of your toes? Or are you sitting down with your arms crossed going, heard this before. Moses responds, and then he gets ready. And that's when God delivers the plan. Listen to this. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've been watching the whole time. I've heard their cries from a distance because of their harsh treatment. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own land that is fertile and, and spacious. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Otherites and the Lotites. <laughs> they now live. Look, the cry of my people, Israel, have reached me. Now here's the plan. And I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending who? You. Did you know that you were a key player in your comeback? One of the main characters. Of course, God is the main character. But did you know he's looking to you to be a main character, to take action, to move, to get up, to play a role, to do things, get rid of things, add things, add new people, take things away from your life, get to new jobs, new places. I'm sending you to Pharaoh and you must lead my people out of Egypt. Oh, so good. (laughs) So much hope. It's like God wants to say to some of you today, I know that you had a relapse with drugs and alcohol. I I know, but I'm going to deliver you out. Like, I'm going to lead you out. Like, you're going to be done with drugs. You're going to be drug-free and alcohol-free. That is my plan for you. We're going to say no to that stuff. A lot of times our comeback has to do with deliverance. God was delivering the, the Israelites out of bondage from the Egyptians. And he's saying to some of you today, I know that you're trapped in pornography. I know you heard the message from Pastor Aaron last weekend that helped, but you're still trapped. But here's the plan. I'm going to deliver you to a spot where you are pure in heart. And there's going to be no more hooking up and no more masturbation and no more pornogra- porn. And, and, and he's saying that to some of you today. That's just like like he's talking to Moses. And I know you've been trapped in anxiety for years and fear. And I know that you can hardly get through a day without those feelings of anxiety pressing in on you and almost choking you. But here's my plan. I'm going to deliver you out of that anxiety to a place where peace and rest of soul is the natural condition of your heart. That's what he's saying to some of you today. And I know that you've had that terrible relationship, and I know that it's been difficult, but I'm going to deliver you out of that, and I'm going to heal that relationship, and I'm going to bless that relationship. Are you ready for that? Will you receive that today? Because God has a comeback for you. Now, this is a critical moment for Moses, and it's a critical moment for you as I talk about, talk through some of those, some of those situations and comebacks we hear God speak to us and, and through my voice or through a passage of scripture or even through a song or some other way through a friend or creation. We hear him speak to us with a burning bush type of th- experience. And then we hear it and we, and immediately the voices <laughs> run at us like a stampede of, of buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> what are the voices? You know the voices, the voices of doubt. You can't do this. You've failed so many times. Who are you to ever live without anxiety? Who are you to ever live without pornography? You've tried so many times to stop drinking alcohol. You've tried so many times to put the pills down. You'll never never stop that stuff. You've been living your life in anger for two decades. How could you ever think that anger, you could be delivered from the power of anger in your life? That's a stupid idea. And all the voices of doubt come into your head. Yes? Have you heard these voices or am I the only one? I hear voices. Your pastor hears voices. (laughs) Moses heard the voice. How do I know? Listen to what he says to God. Listen to what he says to the burning bush, the voice coming from the burning bush. Can you imagine? God's audibly speaking to him. He doesn't do that to us. But Moses protested to God, who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who who am I to to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt? You you understand? I've killed a man. I've been out here chasing sheep around, you know, for, for 40 years with a staff. Like, you think I'm a leader? I'm a, I'm a murderer in, in, in isolation. I, I, I've run from my problems. I've, I've, ch- I, I, I've had a major setback. You've got the wrong guy. And all the voices, you've, you've heard them. Come running at Moses. And he doubts the comeback plan. As you do and as I do. How does God help Moses overcome this? Well, He He gives him. One little statement to help him overcome his doubt and his disbelief. Look at verse 12. God answered, Moses, pay attention. I'll be with you. And it's not a cliche, oh, the Lord is with you. No, 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 God doesn't do that. God says, my presence, my power, my provision, my protection, my wisdom, my strength will be right next to you. Do not fear. Wow. You see, that's the promise of the gospel. The gospel is not, hey, pray this prayer so you can go to heaven when you die. Heaven's thrown in as part of the deal. You guys understand that, right? The gospel is God with you now, today. Today. That's God's solution to Moses' doubt. That's God's solution to Moses' fear. How am I going to do that? You got the wrong guy. God's presence is the solution to Moses' insecurity. Hello, am I speaking to somebody today? How do you become a confident person? It's not building up your self-esteem. Some of that might work a little bit. It's like, man, God's with me. Somebody asked me the other day, how do you get up and speak to thousands of people? It's like, well, it's a, I think God is with me. Has me overcome stage fright and fear and all that stuff. And I get, still get some of that stuff. You ever shake my hand before a message? It's ice cold. There's just no blood in this hand before a message. Because I'm in survival mode. Like, I'm freaking out a little bit. But the way I get up here is like, man, God, you've called me to do this. This is your plan. You're with me. Give me the courage. Think about what God's present... Presence meant to Joshua. Those of you who read the Old Testament, oh, you got to read the Old Testament. I know there's some weird parts in it, but you got to read it. What did God pres- What God's presence mean to Joshua? Remember when he walked around uh, Jericho seven times, blew the horns, and all the walls came crumbling? God's presence for Joshua was God's supernatural power. Think about what it meant for Esther. When when Esther faced a situation where her people were going to get annihilated and and, and the only solution was to go in before the king, but she was scared to death because if you go in before the king and he's displeased, he could kill you. What was... God, what was God's presence doing for her? It gave her supernatural courage. Think about what it did for Joseph when he's falsely accused of rape and he's thrown into jail and all these terrible things happen to him. What did God, God's presence mean to Joseph? It meant supernatural favor. Wherever he went, he was lifted up. Whether it was in, uh, uh, what's his name's house? Uh, Pharaoh, not Pharaoh, <laughs> the other guy. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, yeah, his that dude's house. Potiphar, thank you. Or if he was in jail, he got lifted up to lead the jail and lead Potiphar's house. Wherever he went, he had supernatural favor. Think about what it, what it meant for Daniel. Those of you who know the story, Daniel chapter three, when he's thrown into the lion's den, and these are hungry lions that haven't been fed for days, and somehow they don't eat him. It was supernatural protection. Think about the Apostle Paul through the, through the New Testament. He wrote 14 books of the New Testament. He was caught up into heaven one time and God showed him what was going on in heaven. What did God's presence mean for Paul? Supernatural wisdom. See, God's not just bloviating when he says, oh, I'll be with you. He's not giving us, you know, cliches. He's saying, no, I'm going to give you supernatural protection, supernatural insight and wisdom, supernatural provision for your life. I will be with you on this comeback. I'm not going to do all the work, <laughs> but I am going to show up. Remember what he did for Peter in Acts chapter 12? Anybody know? Peter got locked up for preaching the gospel. He's literally in chains. The angel shows up. What happens to the chains? What happens to the chains? Tell me. They fall off. They fall off his wrists. Now, Peter had to get up and leave the jail cell. God's not going to do everything for us, but he will do the supernatural. Supernatural. Psalm 23 says it perfectly. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, why do we fear no evil as believers? Why? For you are, say it with me, with me. That's it. That's the gospel. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. You can come back. You can overcome the disbelief by believing. See, I wrote it like this in your notes. The key to a comeback is believing. You must believe that a comeback is possible. That's where we start. That's where we start. Today, the action plan, step number one of a comeback, is you have to believe it's possible. God is initiating the comeback because he's got a plan for your comeback. You have to respond to it and get ready to it and then overcome your doubts by believing it's possible. Did you know, did you know, uh, 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 Josh McDaniels, I believe his name is. Josh McDaniels. I got a picture of him right here. Josh McDaniels, offensive coach for the Patriots. I think he's now the head coach for the Raiders, I think. At halftime, when the Patriots were down 28 to three, now I'm not saying that God was involved in the Patriots' comeback, okay? So don't hear me say that. (laughs) I don't think he likes sports that much, but maybe he does. Josh McDaniels, offensive quarterback coach, was going around to players, and the reason we know this is because they have the microphones on, on the sideline. You know what he was saying to his players at halftime? Really simple. Do you believe we're going to win? They're down 28-3. Do you believe we're gonna win? And the players would respond back, I do. And he said, I do too. And he'd go to the next player, do you believe we're gonna win? I do too. Do you believe we're gonna, why did he do that? He was trying to instill belief in them because he knew that if they didn't begin with belief, they didn't have a chance. Even the announcers were throwing in the towel against Tom Brady. This thing's over. Wow. One time, this little boy, a father brought a little boy to Jesus' disciples and he had a demon inside of him and 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 the father was asking Jesus' disciples to help And they couldn't do it. They tried and couldn't get the demon out. So the father and the disciples brought the boy to Jesus. Mark chapter 9. And uh, Jesus looks at the boy and says to the dad, you know, how long has he been this way? And the father says, man, he's been this way since a little kid. The demon gets, gets a hold of him, tries to throw him in the fire, tries to kill him. And then the father says these words, amazing words. Have mercy on me if you can. Which makes sense, I guess, from a human perspective. He obviously didn't know who Jesus was. I want you to see how Jesus responds. What do you mean, if I can? Like, what are you talking about? Do you know who I am? Have you not heard that I turn a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread into enough food to feed 5,000 people. Have you not heard that, I, that guy that didn't have his eyesight, like I gave him, like that leopard over there, like he had terminal disease and I healed, did you, have you not heard? What do you mean if I can? See, here's, here's our issue. Here's, our, here, here's, the, here's the situation, if I can sum it up like this. Your comeback is not, it, it, it is not an issue with God. Like the, the problem is not with God. It's, it's not that God's incompetent or he's not able. Or, like it's not his issue. The issue is with us. Look what he says. Anything is possible if a person, say with me, believes. Like, the, like Jesus is like, what do you mean if I can? Like I'm here. Like I showed up. Like, I'm doing a bunch of stuff. I'm healing people, preaching. I'm doing this. What do you mean if I can? Like have you, I'm here. God is saying to you today, I, I'm here. Like, let's go. Let's do this thing. The problem is not with God. The problem is with us, and our doubt and our lack of faith. So my question today is a simple one: Do you believe? Do you believe? Because that's where all comebacks start. All comebacks start with belief. I remember uh, back in 2006 when this church. I, I like to tell pastors I led our church back in 2006 from 2,000 all the way down to 900. It was fantastic. Biggest setback of my life, everything failed. Money was failing, families were failing, friends were leaving. Every single week, more and more families were leaving Emmanuel because we transitioned our church from our founding pastor to me. (laughs) Let's just say it did not go very well. If you were here during that time, it was very hard. And I had to dig deep into my soul and ask myself this question. Do I believe this is God's plan? for a manual church. To reach people that are far from God, who've written off churches boring, judgmental, irrelevant, who've said no to God. To be on a relentless pursuit of people that are disconnected from God. Do I believe that is what God wants to do? You know, deep down in my heart and deep down in the heart of all the staff, we made a decision. This is what God, this is, this is what God wants. And that allowed us to come back. We went all the way down to 900 people with about 25,000 dollars a week in offering. and now today we're reaching 7,000 people online and in person with five different six different campuses and, uh, and, and with incredibly generous offerings. And God is saving hundreds of people every single year through Emanuel Church. Amen. Amen. You talk about a comeback. It all started with belief. Do we believe that this is possible? Do you believe? Step one in a comeback is belief. As we wrap up today, it's, it's interesting. We end with belief for a comeback or, or we start with a belief for a comeback. You know where the spiritual life really does start? I mean, the whole spiritual life, not just comeback, it starts with belief. It starts with trusting in Christ. The Bible word for that is, is saved. Saved means to be delivered Delivered from the penalty of sin. Delivered from the power of sin. Listen to what the Apostle Paul, the guy I was talking about earlier with the supernatural wisdom and insight. Listen to what he said in Romans. If you openly openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, say with me, saved. Saved from what? Saved from the penalty of your sin. See, all of us are sinners. We've all broken God's law. And the penalty of that is separation from God forever, spiritual death and physical death. But because God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to die for us, to deliver us from the penalty of sin. And if we would declare him Lord, basically if we would say with our mouth that we believe that he is the Lord, he died for our sins, and believe that he came back from life, we will be saved from the penalty of sin. That's how it works. You get in the spiritual life You start a spiritual life with belief. So I'm gonna say a simple prayer. If you feel led to do this and ask Christ to be your savior and forgive your sins, take these words. Make them your own. Trust in Christ today and you'll be saved. Say this to him. Dear Jesus, I declare you to be the Lord. I believe in my heart that you died for my sin and that you came back to life. The greatest comeback story ever to save me from my sin. So I ask you to cleanse me today, wash me, forgive me, and make me your child. And from this day forward, teach me to love you and honor you, serve you, obey you, and cherish you with my life. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen if you just prayed that prayer church we want to celebrate with you come on nice and loud church amen all of our campuses we want to get you started on the right foot if you trusted christ today we actually put together a saved box for you this is for people who just put their faith in christ inside this box. There is a Bible with a reading plan inside of it to get you started reading the scriptures. There's some information about how to get connected to the church, small group baptism. And there's also a coffee cup in here to say congratulations because we love caffeine around here. And uh, so we we would encourage you if you prayed that prayer to text the word "saved" to 65248. You can grab one of these at your location or if you're watching online, fill out some more information, we'll give one to you. We'll send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church, can we give God glory? I hope you enjoyed this first installment of You Can Always Come Back. Next week, we'll do week two. Before we close, I'm gonna hand things off right now uh, to the local teams. They're gonna be doing the Dollar Club. So do not leave just yet. Make sure you participate in that. Let's pray and I'll hand things off to the local teams. Father, thank you so much for this message that no matter what, we can always come back. You're the one who initiates it because you have a plan. Help us to believe it. Help us to trust it. Help us to fight off all the voices of doubt and trust that you have a plan for our comeback. We love you. Help us to be generous today as we think of others in these next few moments during the Dollar Club Challenge. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Right now, I'll hand things off to the local teams, guys. See you later.